Good morning. That was, that was great uh, to hear more about the Education Center and just to learn about the impact it's having on, uh, on kids and families and just their learning and their education and their interest in, in growing as students. Um, and so that's, that's such a blessing. You know, this past couple, the past couple of weeks, uh, Renee and I have been trying to plan a summer vacation for our family. Talk about bad timing, right? <laughs> you know, with all that's going on in the world, inflation rising, gas prices skyrocketing, the economy struggling, the stock market in the pits, planning a vacation like so many other things these days has been a challenge. Of course, these things, you know, planning a vacation, trying to work out airfare or logistics, these things are minor compared to the problems and the hardships that we see in the lives right, of the people in Ukraine um, and, and many other parts of the world. The other day, uh, Andrew asked me, uh, he reminded me actually of, of the conflict. He said that because of the conflict in Ukraine, he goes, it seems like we've all but forgotten about the humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan, right? And I, like a dummy, I said, what crisis, right? And this was, right, just last year, the takeover by the Taliban, the two and a half million people who fled for their lives, and the humanitarian crisis that still exists. And before that, there was crisis in Venezuela, Haiti, Syria, Myanmar, right? And the list goes on. And each of these places, right, are places of widespread violence, corruption, and poverty. Places where there is zero chance for most people to improve their situation. And for a lot, just even to, to stay safe. And so they're forced to leave their homes. They're forced to become refugees. And, and sometimes it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around this. You know what I mean? It, it, it's very hard you know, for me to take in what's going on around the world and the disparity between their lives and mine. Right? Their problems are life and death, their survival, their finding a, a meal or a place to rest. Right? And my problems are long lines right, at the Costco gas station. Right? Or problems with my iPhone, like I'm having right now. Right? Do we even live in the same world? Our country, this country, has, has its problems, lots of them. But I think we just assume the security and the stability and the opportunities that we have here. Now, I don't think the opportunities are always fair and equal for everyone, and that's a problem that we have here. But can you imagine, can you imagine what the people from these other places would do for citizenship in this country? The World Vision website 
says that over 82 million children and families have been forcibly displaced, right? Not voluntarily, not like they choose to move or to immigrate, forcibly displaced from their homes. And they're now refugees, immigrants, wanderers. And when we stop to think about this, we realize just how valuable citizenship is. Real citizenship, having a place where you have rights, privileges, and protections. And these, are, these things are critical to one's well-being and one's hope for the future. But as, as we can see when we look around the world, where you're a citizen of, whose authority you live under, where your home is, that makes all the difference in the world. This morning, we're going to continue on in our series in the book of Philippians. Right, we've been going through the book of Philippians, and we're going to spend a few minutes this morning looking at this idea of citizenship. And we're going to look at where does our hope ultimately come from. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 21. Before we re- I read that, let's, let's ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, I pray that you would be here in our midst, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move among us and that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, give us open hearts, give us open ears, open eyes, and open minds to what you have to teach us this morning. We thank you for gathering us together. We thank you for each person here, in person or online. We thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy to us. We pray, Lord, that you would be with us now as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Philippians 3, 15 through 21. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before now, before and now, tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So the Apostle Paul, he begins by saying, we who are mature should take such a view of things. What's, right, what's he talking about? What view of things are the Philippians supposed to have? If we look back at the previous passage, I think he tells us. He says in the same chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, 
But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and looking and straining forward toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Simply put, he's saying, as a follower of Christ, look ahead, press on toward the goal. What's the goal? The goal is to grow in your relationship with Christ, to place him above everything else in your life, to do his will until you're called home to be in heaven. In the foyer, we have a sign that displays our church's mission statement. Hopefully you've noticed it. It's against this wall over here. Right? And it's also in the back of your program. Right? It says, we exist to spread a passion for God so that he is above all else in our lives, our church, and our community. Another way of saying it is that our purpose together as we join together, as we are one church, one family, is to exalt God in a way that lights people on fire for him. Like Paul and the Philippians then, we are to press on and we are to spread a passion for Christ until we're called home. Paul has a special love for the Philippians. He, he, he loves them greatly. And after starting this church, he started this church on his second missionary journey. They became his friends and supporters for the rest of his life. So in this short letter, this book of Philippians is a letter from Paul to the Philippians. He instructs them to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel and to have joy in the Lord, to rejoice which he says at least 16 times in this short letter. And he tells them to follow his example and to keep their eyes on faithful believers. But he also warns them of ungodly people, those who live as enemies of the cross. He wants them to avoid their example and to avoid their influence. You know, when we Think of, uh, of the times that we live in today. Paul could be right here. He could be standing right here, giving us the same exact warning. So in verses 18 through 21, he basically contrasts the two kinds of people. Those of the world, right? We'll call them citizens of the world. And those that are citizens of heaven. And so I want to I outline this morning three characteristics I think capture the differences between the two. And as I, as I do, I want you to try and place yourself and determine where your citizenship lies. Because we, we gather together, we want to be on the right track, don't we? We want to be growing in the Lord. We want to be pressing on in Christ. And when the Lord returns, we want him to call us by name and to call us home. So three characteristics, I call this three characteristics of a follower of Christ. First, 
We look beyond. We look beyond. This has to do with our perspective and our identity. In verse 20, Paul says that our citizenship is in heaven. See that in verse 20. That means we have given our lives to Christ and we have transferred our citizenship from this earthly domain to God's kingdom in heaven. Now to follow Christ and become one of his own is a deliberate act. It doesn't just happen. You don't just fall into it. To follow Christ is like transferring your citizenship from one country to another. Just wondering, has anyone ever gone through that process here? Transferring your citizenship, right, from one country to another. It's an important decision that I assume takes a lot of thought. See, all of us are born as citizens of this world with a sinful nature. We are rebellious to God. Transferring our citizenship means surrendering our lives to Christ. And I suppose it's like surrendering your passport or your ID when you change your country of citizenship. You leave behind an old former way of life for a new one. This is what's happening when people leave their country, and we see this around the world, when people leave their country and they cross the border. They're looking to leave something behind. They're looking and hoping for something better. For Christians, heaven is our home. Jesus says in John 14 that his Father's house has many rooms and that he goes to prepare a place for us and that eventually he will come back and when he comes back, he will take us home. So heaven is our ultimate destination. But guess what? We are citizens now. Paul says this, our citizenship is in heaven. We are citizens now. That means we have rights, we have protections from God now. These are things that we talk about when we speak of his mercy and his care, his loving kindness to us, his sovereign power to make all things work for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. These are inherited rights that we receive, that we have from being a child of God, a citizen of his kingdom. And as citizens, we find our identity and our security in our king. <clears throat> so we see the world with different eyes. We look beyond because we have a different perspective. We have a different identity. But there's a tension here. Even as Paul speaks of this, we see in the passage there's a tension. As we read, many in the world do not live this way. Right? Christ is not their king, and their eyes are not on heaven. Their lives are earthbound. They can't see beyond themselves. And so they live in a limited, carnal, worldly fashion. In the parable of the soils, right, in Matthew 13, do you remember that when we, 
went through the parable of the soils last year. In Matthew 13, Jesus talks about the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And he said, though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear. They do not understand. But he tells his followers, blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. And though we're citizens of heaven, we live in a world of blindness and of tension. Right? And you should feel it. When you look at the violence or the oppression or the self-interest or the greed or the lack of compassion that we see in the society around us at times. Or now, when we look on the global stage and we see this taking place. Isn't this what Paul means when he says, their glory is in their shame? See, we are to be agents of change and extensions of God's love to our world. But it should be abundantly clear to you and me as we look around, as we watch the news, this is not our home. We don't find our hope and our peace and our ultimate rest in the world. Does that make sense? We look beyond. So we look beyond as citizens of heaven. Second, we think beyond. It stands to reason, if this is not our home and we are God's people, then we will think differently than the world does. Our minds and our hearts should be set on different things. We should be tuned differently. You know, I had mentioned that we've been trying to plan a vacation as a family. And when when we go on vacation, we typically like to stay in one place. Well, I shouldn't say we like to. We sort of are forced to because of the timeshare thing. And right, We stay in one place for the entire week. And when we get there, we like to jump on the bed and have pillow fights. And uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure you're awake. We, we like to unpack our bags. We like to hang up our clothes, right? We put our toiletries in the bathroom. We like to settle in. But wouldn't it be odd? Wouldn't it be strange if we spent a lot of time when we get to this timeshare thinking about how to decorate the place? Right? How to arrange the furniture? If we thought a lot about how to reorganize the kitchen? Right? Even if we were to stay there for several weeks, I think that would be strange. Now, I'm not saying don't fix your house, right? Don't mow your lawn, right? And, and you get that the house, right, is a metaphor for our lives. But I want us to think about how we spend our time if this is not our home. Paul says in verse 19, their mind is set on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven. We're exiles. We're immigrants. We're passing through on our way to our eternal home. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. 
Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. See, there's this distinction between setting your mind on things above and on earthly things. And here's a simple way I would distinguish between the two. Are the things that fill your mind of an eternal nature? Or are the things that fill your mind of a temporal one? See, for a citizen of this world, for a person of this world, that's all there is. In verse 19, Paul says, their God is their stomach. Their God is their stomach. It's their appetite. They give themselves over to their passing cravings. Right? And I would consider human wisdom and ideologies and philosophies as temporal and self-serving as well if they don't account for the eternal Christ. So here again, we live in tension in the world. We like our sports. We like our entertainment. We like our hobbies. We like our possessions. We have to think about the rent. We have to think about the car, income taxes, our kids' schedules. But if we spend all of our time focused on the temporal, focused on the passing things, as the world does, then I think we not only miss some of God's greatest blessings as a citizen to be able to take comfort in heaven, but we lose sight of what's most important. God, his kingdom, his people, the fact that many live as enemies of the cross. Sometimes I think even our prayers, our prayers, they focus on worldly things. We ask for help with a lot of these temporal things, like work and school and finances and meetings. And not that those things aren't important, but we neglect the priorities of God the building of his kingdom, the spread of the gospel, the salvation of the lost. Are the things that fill your mind, are they consistent with who you are as a follower of Christ and as a citizen of heaven? Last, we live beyond. We look beyond, we think beyond, and we live beyond this world. Back in verse 18, Paul says, With tears, with tears I tell you, many in this world live as enemies of the cross of Christ. They put no hope in the cross. They trust in themselves. And this, this, this breaks Paul's heart. Right? He says, too many people live apart from the cross of Christ. People we know People in our own families, people in our neighborhood, people in our workplace, separate from Jesus. This is that blindness that we spoke of earlier. 
1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection is what ultimately saves and ultimately secures us for heaven. Not our own good works, not our best efforts. Right, this may be obvious because our hope is in the cross and Christ lives in us, but our, our lives will regularly be out of step with this world. This is that tension that we speak of. Naturalist Henry David Thoreau once said, if a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. Right? Do you hear that? The beat that has been set by our Lord and Savior. Right? We are to walk in step with him. But that means that we will not be in step with this world. Right? God has a higher calling for us. He has a higher calling for the Philippians. Remember the Philippians, they were a colony of retired Roman soldiers. They were proud citizens of Rome. They weren't exiles, refugees. They weren't looking to try and find another, uh, find another country or place to live. They were proud of their heritage. They were proud of being a Roman citizen. But when Paul challenges them here, when he says that their citizenship is now in heaven and their allegiance is to Christ, right, he's challenging their authority structure. He is saying something radical here. He wants them to know that Christ's authority sits over every other authority in their lives, including Rome, including the empire, including Caesar. And he is making the same appeal to us, that Christ is above all else. See, in this passage, Paul is setting priorities for the Philippians, but he's also setting a framework for them, and he's setting a framework for us, that though we reside here, we are not to conform to the ways of this world the values of this world, the customs of this world, like you would if you moved to another country. Why? Because our citizenship is not of this world. It's of heaven. And the passage goes on to say, we eagerly await a savior from there. Right? Christ, our hope and joy, he is in heaven at the right hand of the throne of God. And that our Savior will one day, he will, re, he will one day return and take us home. So our citizenship is in heaven. Our Lord and Savior is in heaven. Our eternal home is in heaven. So when people observe our lives here on earth, how we spend our time, how we, how we handle our money, how we treat other people, they should see a life that's lived beyond this earth, 
A life that has heaven and Christ as its priority. Beloved, this is not our home. In many ways, we are exiles passing through. When you gave your life to Christ, you changed your citizenship from earth to heaven. And you now have a higher calling. You have a higher calling to live as a citizen of heaven. Make no mistake about it, there's a tension. There's a tension that that we live in to live in the world but not be of the world. Our goal is not to be happy and comfortable in both worlds. I'll say that again. Our goal is not to be happy and comfortable in both worlds because it's not possible. The two are in conflict. It doesn't work that way. The goal is to pursue Christ and to find our peace and our joy as citizens of his kingdom. Our hope is not in this world. We do not hope for a leader or a government or a political party to save us. Our hope is in Christ alone. Amen? It's in Christ alone and his saving work on the cross. And as Paul said, we eagerly await his return. And when he does, he will make all things right. It says he has the power to bring everything under his control, and he will set things right. Right? And that's the tension that we've talked about. That tension, when Christ comes, that tension will be released. It will be released. And we as his people will flood praise and worship to God. And he will take us home and he will transform us into his glorious likeness. Until then, we together with one another, we press on. Um, I'd like to close us in a word of prayer, but before I do, I'll invite the worship team up and the prayer counselors forward. And if you would like prayer this morning for anything, anything, something on your heart, um, something that maybe God spoke to you this morning, just uh, a sense, an urge, an impression that God is giving you, I invite you to come forward to pray with our prayer counselors. They would love to pray with you and for you. Let's Let's pray. Heaven is our home, Lord. It's hard for us to see this sometimes, Lord, with all that's going on in the world, all that presses on in our lives. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your reminder. Thank you for your exhortation, Lord, for us to live as citizens of your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you offer your, your people, your children. We ask, Lord, that we would grab a hold uh, of those blessings and the assurances and the promises that you give us. We ask that we would follow you, Lord, with passion and with courage and with discipline in our lives. 
And we ask that you would help us, Lord, to live faithfully for you. We thank you, Lord, for all these things. We give you all praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.